Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So when news broke uh, that revealed Terry Lynn McClintock was serving her time for first-degree murder in a minimum security healing lodge, there was obvious outrage. Uh, outrage, you know, that raised a lot of questions, including how is it that a violent child killer gets into such a facility? And it raises a lot of questions. You know, how often is this happening? How often are non-Indigenous offenders getting into facilities that are designed specifically to help? Native offenders. And uh, as we learn through the whole McClintic chapter, you don't actually have to be Native to get into these lodges, but you do have to live and abide by their beliefs, their traditions, and their ways of life. And we also learn that Indigenous groups, the elders, they don't have a say of who gets in. So they don't have a seat at the table. They used to. They don't now. So I don't think it should come to anyone's surprise that uh, Global News, through an access to information request of Corrections Canada, finds that of the of four of the nine healing lodges in the country, so four of nine healing lodges in this country, an average of 15% in those lodges are either white or new Canadians or not indigenous at all. The woman digging up this exclusive, Abigail Bimmon, she's an award-winning journalist, and she's part of our Ottawa team for Global National. She joins us now. Abigail, this was a bit of a fishing expedition, certainly because uh, McClintock herself um, raised eyebrows, leading to the question of, like, how many more people are out there using these facilities that really shouldn't? What does the information that you have um, found, what does that tell you? Is the number, because it doesn't seem high, but it does tell a story. It, it certainly tells a story, and the, the story that it tells is that non-Indigenous people are going to these healing lodges, which were set up specifically for Indigenous offenders. So we have the number since 2011, mm-hmm. and on average since 2011, 15% of offenders in Indigenous healing lodges are not Indigenous. The majority of those are self-identify as white. Uh, there are some other, uh, there's some more breakdowns of that classification, but uh, again, on average, 15% not Indigenous. Okay, let me play devil's advocate. You'll have a lot of people who will say, okay, well, maybe they identify. Maybe that kind of healing uh, is what they need best for them. But, uh, you know, given there's no real oversight by anyone in the Indigenous community as to who goes into these facilities... It gets, you know, to be a very gray area of who is actually taking advantage of this uh, or exploiting it. Right. And some uh, legal experts that we spoke with today said uh, what it tells them is that, you know, these these programs can be beneficial for more people and that they they should be expanded because uh, we uh, often hear that uh, people do want to get into this program. One lawyer said, you know, it actually would be unconstitutional to bar a white person from getting into an Indigenous healing lodge because that would be discrimination based on race. Mm -hmm. So his point was the solution should be open up 
more spots like this if this program if this programming is actually uh, helpful right and or be transparent i mean something corrections right. canada has not been and so you know y- you filed this report kind of hoping or maybe it would uh, reveal some information and then numbers come back and and tell you pretty much what everyone was saying is clearly this program is being either not working or it is being taken advantage of uh, and we did ask uh, CSC, I asked them today, uh, because something I think that gets overlooked in, in the coverage of um, of healing lodges is that they have been around for a very long time. So they were born out of a task force back in 1990. The first one opened in 1995. We only have the statistics back to 2011. So I asked the uh, uh, Correctional Service today, um, when did you start admitting non-Indigenous people into these facilities? And they said, you know, from the very start that this was going on. Okay. And so is the, where does it go then now? Where does the conversation go now? Is there going to be a pushback from First Nations group, uh, you know, saying we should be on these panels? Where does it go now that you you found the loophole, which really isn't a loophole? It's just it's become a thing. Right. So, and that is the, the the strongest criticism we've heard from any First Nations group so far in all of this coverage. The the group um, in the community where Terry Man McClintock was being held in the Healing Lodge said, "Look, we used to we used to vet everybody that came into our community, and we lost that power over the years." They 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 said that you know if people wish to follow on the Indigenous path, uh, that they were certainly welcome to anybody who wanted to do that. But you know they wanted a say as to who was coming to their community, and that was the idea when this whole thing started. So that is the area of strongest pushback that we've seen, that uh, Indigenous people would like a voice as to exactly who is coming into their community. Right. And, and therefore, if you want actual reconciliation, these are things that Trudeau should should easily be able to actually make happen. Right, right. Uh, you, you would think so. I'm obviously not privy to the ins and outs and why that uh, practice changed over the years. But from an outside Well, it changed likely. It, it sounds like it happened under the Harper government where they, they took uh, Indigenous voices off the table. But this is something that could be uh, corrected. Right. It seems to be an, an easy fix from an outsider's perspective. Right. Does it matter? I mean, have we learned or, or does the information that you've gleaned, does it tell us anything about the types of inmates that are getting into these facilities? Are they uh, McClintock type, um, Rafferty type kind of violent offenders or are these people nearing the end of their sentence? Are they nonviolent? A couple of things there. Certainly nothing new. The information that we uh, received in this most recent access to information request was just on breakdowns in terms of uh, in terms of race or ethnicity or, or nationality as well. Uh, so nothing in there on the types of offenders. But um, something uh, that, that I noticed, there was a video we found from when the Healing Lodge was launched uh, over 20 years ago, and it had an offender who spoke about her murder conviction. So mm-hmm. something we learned was that they, you know, they were taking um, high, um, offenders with with serious convictions way back when this started. But something interesting to note, the changes since the McClintic uproar, uh, the public safety minister called for some changes as to who is getting into a healing lodge. And one of the things uh, that is being stressed now is that in a longer term sentence, that an offender is closer to the end of their sentence because people with uh, first degree murder convictions, uh, you know, eventually will get back into the community. But the point of uh, a healing lodge or the point of, you know, minimum security by the time you get to the minimum security point 
portion of your sentence, you're closer to being released. So in this, uh, the, the new update to, to what is being looked at when someone is transferred to a facility like this, that now includes uh, how close somebody is to being released. Sure. And the other point, uh, as we learned through the McClintock, um, you know, situation, the system, and we learned this through her brother, can be easily manipulated. Is there any way to address that where people who, uh, you know, and, and as we've heard from the elders and those in First Nations groups, they said, we want people in there who live by our customs, our traditions, who respect, um, you know, our, our history. Um, but clearly she lied, she manipulated to get her way into this. And so is that an area that will also be changed? That's a really tough question to answer because the requirement to live in a healing lodge is to follow the Indigenous path in terms of practice, in terms of spirituality, in terms of taking part in uh, the culture. And there's nothing to suggest that McClintock, you know, did or didn't do that along that journey. People know what they have to do in order to get approval to get into a facility like that. It certainly doesn't happen overnight. So will there be a closer eye uh, on on that? I would imagine so, but uh, we don't have anything that suggests that McClintock, you know, didn't do any of those things that allowed her to be transferred into there in the first place. Yeah, clearly, though, I think Corrections Canada and certainly the safety uh, minister, Mr. Goodale, should understand that that eyes are watching and, and right. you, you and, and others will be looking, um, you know, for the, the failures of corrections and where some of the weak spots are. Um, do you get the sense that they're going to be more proactively and we could expect some some changes coming in the next few months? I think that uh, the the changes that they announced um, were substantial. I think it'll be interesting to see if that bears, if if anything comes from those changes in terms of transfers. Will we see fewer transfers? Will we see more transfers uh, going forward? Um, Correctional Service uh, of Canada got back to me today and offered somebody who could speak on camera about healing lodges in in the coming weeks. And I'd be very interested if that did happen because it's uh, it's unusual. So if they have people that are willing to speak and answer questions about this, that that certainly uh, would signal a, a a change coming. Well, uh, uh, anybody in Corrections Canada actually being transparent coming forward, that would be actually a miracle. So if you can actually sit down with someone, you might <laughs> we'll as well take see. the opportunity. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And, and quickly before I go, the one story that really did not seem to um, gain the traction that McClintock uh, did is Michael Rafferty's transfer. Do you know where that stands now? Oh, and that's a, that's a good question. I think I I, I think that it, you know it it didn't gain the same traction uh, because it because it wasn't an indigenous healing lodge. I yeah. think that um, that that's where that was all about the fact that there weren't fences and that it appeared from the outside to be less of uh, well it is less of a traditional prison structure. But I think that that's where all the uproar uh, stood. I last heard I haven't heard any updates in in his particular case. Right. Well, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, it just struck me that didn't get quite the same outrage. So uh, not so sure anything will actually be changed on that. Good digging, Abigail. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate that. Thanks, Alex. That is Abigail Bayman. You can catch her on Global News National. Her story now online on our globalnews.ca website. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.